0: Hello and welcome to episode 12 of AngelCast with me, Adam, Uh, me, Andy, and me, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hello. Uh,
1: Apologies for the slight delay. I'm not actually in, in, well, not in a barn,
0: but I'm over here back in Taiwan, kind of. Kind of. It doesn't look much like a barn.
1: No, I'm in a beautiful hotel room that I'm very sick of
0: was this day 13 uh this is day 12 okay yeah yeah it's been a long one yeah um so today we're going to be talking about barnhammer 3 uh which was the angel versus eat bats series kind of in the end uh matt and i when matt wasn't in quarantine hotel in asia played a narrative game of Age of Sigma. so we'll have a chat about that in the narrative section. And then we're going to talk about some hobby in open. So that's kind of like how the format was always supposed to be after a few <laughs> weeks of going, this is what we're talking about, you know. um, <coughs> So, yeah, we'll be back after this with Match Play. Welcome back. Um, today in Match Play, we're going to be talking about Barnhammer 3, um, which uh, was in a barn. As ever as ever we're not very imaginative at the end of the day are we really we've got a barn and we just do games in it
2: yeah um warhammer indeed it was actually
1: in the barn this time though
2: it was in the barn um yeah Yeah. wow the the so the original premise so the the barn hammers so far really have been building up to being able to do events where we can kind of because angel is only so big right so yeah in fact actually quite small um and we want I, what I wanted to do ultimately was kind of have groups of friends over to do stuff. Um, and the format that I thought was the best way to do that was a team event. So uh, a couple of months ago, I reached out to um, Mitzi from Eat Bats, um, a great gaming friend, fantastic guy, um, and said, you know, we've, we've done a few of these things now, kind of COVID's getting through, let's, if you want to come over, Bring a team. We can do a team event, and we can have up to—I think we set the limit at fourteen, didn't we?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so we said up to fourteen players, and and we'll do some pairings, and we'll do two or three games depending on how long they take, and we'll just have a bit of fun. We, Matt admits he thought that was a fantastic idea, so we got it together. Uh, we peaked at fourteen, and we might have even had more than that, but I was like, no, I'm not sure I can gate it for fourteen people at home.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> so we so we capped it at fourteen. And then the pandemic happened and then Norovirus virus happened and all kinds of yeah, different man. things. Um, and you know, people, people decided to go home to Taiwan and all kinds of stuff and, <laughs> and people who'd come home from LA decided to go back and then didn't, and they then eat. didn't, but yeah, whatever. Anyway. Um, and we ended up with eight people. So in the middle, it was like, actually, there's only four or five eat bats people. So we came up with what I thought would be a really fun way to select the teams. Uh, which was um, to pull the two team captains aside at the start. We actually picked the teams at the start of the day. But the way we were going to pick them was we were going to get everyone to put their general models on a table. And the two team captains had to pick their team based on the the generals, the actual models. Mm. Um, just for a bit of fun, really, to be frank, because it was never going to be balanced anyway. And then there was going to
0: be a bit of a kind of like comp on that, where if there was a uh, duplicated faction, then if you so if if Donald had been here, um, I couldn't have been on his team because we both had core. Yeah, so um, trying and and the factions. There up. could have been two Iron Jaws players. There were two Daughters of Cain players in the end, uh, yeah. and they naturally fell on opposite teams. But yeah, the picking the model who is your general. To go on teams is a, is a slightly cuter way than doing the kind of school playground thing of you know oh you've been picked last and it's not about you it's just that your army's shit you know it's like <laughs> I know you're my friend but you're crap <laughs> so, so, so we tried we were going to do
2: that but in the end um we had a few uh, several drops we ended up at eight play- well uh, nine eight and a half players nine um, which naturally fit into four and four with eat bats, kind of being a four, although Charles isn't technically eat bats, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and Charles had to go after two games, so I played the last game, which is great. so I got to run around in the morning and feed everyone and get lunch and stuff. and
0: lucky then you.
2: lucky me um, <laughs> and chill out a bit while watching everyone play their games. Um, I watched Steve a bit to learn how his list played. That's a foreshadowing for later. <laughs> um, and then, and it came together pretty well actually. Yeah, I think it was, was really a good day. Fun. it was fantastic,
0: right? Yeah, I I have had I ended up being the angel team captain and Mitzi was the bats captain. So I had to learn what matchups are. Because all the team events I've ever been to, I've either had you, Matt, or Donal, or like Moin yeah. and you, <laughs> or at least Kieran, who knows how the process works because you know spreadsheets. So I was like, yep. oh, well. I want to play against but I don't know how to make that happen I certainly don't know what to do with these other three players.
1: You just hold yourself in your hand just never never play yourself and you always get to choose.
0: Well we, we put me down first of all. And the and then only- you'll also get a choice out of
1: two but it's not usually as good a choice.
0: Yeah and the the only the only kind of funsies thing we did on top of that and that it was a kind of friendly event was we said you can't put the same card down each round just to slightly skew because obviously you can't avoid there being the same game happening each round but it reduces yeah. significantly so i think we only had alex played mitzi twice and i think that was the only that was the only juke the only juke yeah. yeah that's
1: alex, interesting yeah so the way that i normally play that is actually scenario so it, it depends on pairings is pairings is a really interesting thing and i really like it when you know the scenario and there's kind of two ways of doing the pairings, right? There's either you pair and, like, the first guy goes into this scenario, the second guy goes into this scenario, and et cetera, et cetera. Or there's the everybody plays the same scenario and then it changes in the next round. Yeah, that's and what- I, do, I do like the like, everyone's playing the same scenario thing because then what you lead with normally is the guy who's just super strong at that scenario. And maybe this isn't so true in AOS 3 anymore. Maybe they're a little bit more... You know, I'm not incredible at this scenario compared to other ones. Mm. But, yeah, you know, I think it's a really interesting part. Ch- changing the, the first drop every time is, is a really nice thing to add to a three-game tournament.
2: Yeah, I think if you, <clears throat> as you say, if you were having bigger teams and you had different scenarios in the same round, I think it's probably mm. an extra layer of complexity that just makes it too difficult. It,
1: it is. It's too hard.
2: But I think it makes it different, where it makes it mixes up it up a little bit, where you've got everyone's in the same scenario each round. I I thought it was, I just I just kind of made it up on the fly as we were playing. I thought it was quite a cool thing to do. It worked really well.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely right. It definitely changes things around. Um, Yeah, leading differently. It's because you've only got a team of four, so you essentially have one guy that you don't lead with once. Yeah, that's tough.
0: Yeah but I, I think it, I think we never led with Alex because he, he had yeah, a, but... he had a Gotrek City's army and um, they, they
1: kind of want to pair for it.
0: But there's a couple of their lists that it did really well against and they could have eas- if we put yeah. him down they could have just dodged it. Um, yeah. So you, you kind of had to hold that list back a bit. Um, I'm not I can't, yeah. can't remember which one they didn't put down. I, it, it would have changed anyway for E-bats because they ended up having five players right. Yeah, so they didn't
2: put they put didn't put Charles down, but then Mitzi was like, Oh, since you're the fresh player, I Andy, mean, you can go first.
0: Thanks. Yeah, yeah. So Andy got brought in and put that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we've had you interport. Yeah. You must have been thrilled about.
2: Oh, I was I was super happy about playing Steve, who's really were, cool. you,
1: were you playing Skaven, Andy?
2: I was, yeah. Yeah.
1: Nice. Good. I'm glad you got that list done.
2: I haven't yet. No. I I so we we theory hammered it a little bit, but I'm really happy with the list. <laughs> Steve Steve maybe less so. Um, we theory hammered it
0: like over three car journeys to and from Coventry, which are like two, two and a half Like yeah. we spent a good five and a half hours talking about that list.
2: Yeah, so to, to give a very quick rundown, um Fanqual, Screech Vermin King, uh, Screaming Bell, Claw Lord, Warlock, Basic Warlock, um, six gisales in one unit. 20 Storm Vermin, 20 Clanrats, 20 Clanrats. So the Storm Vermin, the only reinforced unit. And it's basically blobs, right? There's a, there's a shooting blob, which is the engineer buffing the Gisales, which everyone seems to be scared witless of. And it is, to be fair, it is quite good. And um, Fankwall's kind of a runaround by himself. He's got Eap, so he can Skidderleap the Vermin Lord. The Vermin Lord's a standalone entity. And then you've got the Claw Lord, who runs interference and most of the time seems to be in the backfield um yeah he's hilarious he is hilarious um 20 storm vermin um, that will generally bubble something you want to push into the middle and two sets of 20, 20 clan rats for screening and moving the bell around but the way it, the way it plays like the the real threat piece is that, like vermin king like in my daughters of kane game which i won quite handily in the end yeah um, he didn't make a single attack cuz he 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 basically got deleted as soon as he as soon as he went in and um, Fankwal is the kind of the guy you hold back and you really, he's, he's a bit of an anvil, he's a bit of a stick. The Bell is the general and is it, this, I mean, Fankwal is amazing. He's really, really good. He's, he's multi-purpose, he's got lots of things to do. The Vermin Lord hits really hard, but is a bit of a glass cannon if you really go into him. There's nothing in the list, which is amazing, but there's lots of things that can do
0: different things. Um, you just fit a lot in without battalions, without endless spells, and taking not quite a minimum battle line, but as you say, any one reinforced unit. You just have, Skaven just have bodies, and you still have the spit. Like, if you're not taking nine storm fiends, you have a lot of space in your list to do, like, a thing quite well. But also, you've got time to do another thing quite well, and another thing quite well. Yeah. So it's less kind of... Yeah. Kind of which I really like. It's got a lot of um, particularly with the battle tactics, it's got a lot of play in it.
1: Yeah, I think it's got a lot of, uh, it's, it's one of these really nice lists that actually just performs above averagely in all of the things that you kind of want it to do and it's definitely specifically not just average, it's like above average at all of those things and also good at holding the objectives so that's one of the nice things that you have to kind of think about in AOS three and and certainly when you're in scenario play but when we're in this kind of this system that is is a lot tighter because there's a lot more points available on the board actually like having you know a unit that can snipe out little characters having a unit that you can buff up and go in and charge having you know not all your tricks in one bag is a really nice is a really nice thing in that list
2: yeah, so like in the game I played against Steve, um, which he hint- kind of already hinted at, I, I won somehow. Um, the screaming bell jumped down two different nor holes to, to stop, to avoid being killed. Marathi mm-hmm. tried to kill him, so he jumped down a more hole. And then a load of snakes tried to kill him, so he jumped down another more hole, norhole hole. Um, I had, I, I, he, he, he didn't actually. So when I played Adam, I played the vice, the the scenario. When I played Adam, Adam really well screened off. He's like, oh, I'm going to make sure that you can't skitter leap your vermin lords into this space, onto the objective in turn one, blah, blah, blah. I'll type first turn, push up, blah, blah, all this kind of stuff, right? And then uh, it gets to my turn. I'm like, okay, I'm going to cast skitter leap. And he's like, like, I measured this right. You can't put your vermin lord in there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Okay, fine. Roll the dice. Skitter leap goes off. I'll put my Clawlord in the back corner because he's only on a 32 mil base. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> yep. yep. Um, and Steve, Steve did the same thing in a different way. He just left the space to put the Clawlord in. And then he ran something back so that he had three models clipping the objective. So I just nor hold my Warlock engineer in there as well because there was no point in having him backfield because uh, Steve had already deleted all the details. Yeah. So, and, and then he, and then he took a third of his army to kill two heroes who were completely worthless to me, which left the, the central an objective for me so I could walk yeah. onto it. Um, yeah, the,
0: the five wing characters being worth two models in your list is, is great because like, you can just be somewhere and people go, oh, it's fine. And it just isn't fine. Yeah. Um, so and particularly if you metamorphosis on one, so it's actually five models. Yeah. It's just, it's like, all oh, right, this turn I need that objective, so I'm just gonna go there, and I'm seven models, and your five wound battle line you left back there is fucked. So, I'm lucky. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so the, there are some, there's just lots of fun things to do with it. and I'm slowly learning what the different tricks are. And as was pointed out after the game, you can you can monster stomp the the holes so that you can't use them and stuff like that. But it was just, it was a fun game, and yeah. it's a fun list. That if I lost five games with that
0: list, I would still have had fun doing it. I mean, you, you, know, you say you can do smash to rubble, right? But like, yeah. But typically that's when you've charged or you're doing it in the hero phase as a heroic action, I think. Can yeah. you do that uh, well? No, it's um, at the end of the charge phase. So it's just at the end of the charge phase unless you're one of the giants that can do it. So like, typically if you charge something, you're not necessarily going to be back next to the hole because you can deploy like up to eight away from it. Um. So, and then I'm choosing to do that rather than duel or stomp. So smash to rubble is like a decision that you're making. To, to give up something to, else. To give up something else. So it, it is probably the right play, but I can see why both I didn't do it and Steve didn't see it in your game, because it's like well, I've deleted one of them. There's still two more on the table, so you, like, you you have to do it twice, and you can only do it once a turn, and you're giving up something pretty much yeah. like plus plus one, to hit on, on, like, plus one to hit on a stone wall is massive. I can't really yeah. important to give that up when i'm coming into screech right but if he's near a hole, then yeah arguably i need to smash a norhole but then if i don't kill screech because i'm hitting on fours not threes
2: yeah.
0: it's bad news um mm. so it's cute I like it a it's lot. a fun list yeah i'd say
2: there's nothing there's nothing in it which
0: is like oh my god it's
2: broken and there's a lot more broken things i mean it doesn't even have a warp lightning cannon right no no fiends, so people look at it and go, "Oh, that's just a silly scaven list, and it kind of is just a silly scaven
0: list, but it's a fun one. yeah, because it's a good book,
1: yeah, um, I think the claw Lord definitely contributes to it looking like a silly scaven list,
0: yeah, but he's where all the play is, like he's just yeah. way, right you don't care about him, and he like so he holes away from danger to another hole and he just like march blocks, he's like an eighth edition eagle, yeah. Just because you can't go within three inches of him, the hole's impassable so you can put him so you can't fit between him and the hole. and then there's three inches on the other side you can't move through so you have to charge it
1: yeah great and there's any five turns in the game
0: yeah yeah when there's any sort of kind of decent sized terrain he's just in the way so yeah he's a silly little cheap hero but he's so
2: annoying yeah
0: so you put a hole down at the side of the board right so, there's a three
2: inch gap between the edge of the gnaw hole and the board edge, which means you can't get a stone horn through it. And then, then you bring. Or any monster. Or any monster. And then you, then you put the claw lord onto it so that he's three and a half inches away from the edge of the gnaw hole, which means there's a, a, and he's an inch wide. So, you've got another nine inches. So, you've covered 17 inches of the board, which you, you effectively have to run around the side of.
0: Yeah, and the only way through is to charge.
2: That's <laughs> almost to the middle of the pool. Yeah, it's incredible.
0: <laughs> and you can do it on the other side with the engineer. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can basically spend less than 200 points of characters on blocking an entire non flying army's charge for a turn. And also soaking up an entire army's attacks into two <laughs> 90 can, point models Two idiots. Yeah, it's very funny. And Steve will see the funny side eventually. <laughs>
2: yeah, rolling, rolling a double six to seal two command points—his only yeah. command points in that battle round.
0: Yeah, were really? certainly a high point. <laughs> but we should talk. We should talk about Barnhammer three, right? So eat bats. They they like seem to be unconfident, right? They came in and they're like, oh well, you know, you you guys are gonna guys are gonna smash us up. And I was like, really? Okay, fine, fine. I don't think that that's the case. I have never played uh, something as close as that ever. It was incredible. It must. It must have been. Bitsy and Jimbo are actually super good players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they had Paul Barrage as well, you. and obviously Charles Nolan, um, who I love his slow to That's oh, so beautiful. It's, it's great. It's all it's all the Warcry stuff. Ravages. There's all the like redeploying and fate. Like he just retreats all the time and changes who his general is. So he never scoring Slay the Warlord. But it's just so frustrating and so funny. And it's actually like, there's a Corn Demon Prince, so you're halving your charges. So, like, you, you don't charge, and then he just runs away with half of it or, like, retreats past you onto an objective. Like, it, it's re- it's a really cool kind of, like, Raiders uh, list with Emerald Horsemen in there and Corn Knights. And it, it plays like a Slaves to Darkness army played in like eighth edition it's just like running around don't really know what's happening um and you can't really get to grips with it and then you get hit in the face with the deep print. so that's that's kind of cute and he had some really good play around that um so that was their team and then on team eight and plus you at the end and then team angel uh, we had myself with my blood go at beast claw um and we had alex's um tempest eye we've got record, as we mentioned before um which i'm sure we'll talk about in a future episode in detail so i won't go into it too much uh, but got right you know um and then we had kieran with his legion of the first prince uh which is much quicker and more fighty than the old version so he's got scarbrand in there and there aren't really any pink horrors to talk about so it's more about like you can't charge me and then i'm gonna hit you super hard so kieran's games are going actually really fast um which is great it could have been quite a sort of slow resummoning build and he's, he's not running it that way which I respect um, and, yes. <laughs> and we had Steve's Daughters of Cain with um, fighty snakes, shooty snakes marathi snakes iron scale snake and uh, whatever it's called, cauldron of blood yeah sure yeah so pretty pretty good um, and we were up against Iron Jaws, Daughters of Cain with actual witch elves Fajindo um Double Moor Crusher for Mitzi, which looked tasty, like, looks and like a ways go. it looks so good. Two more crushers is terrifying. Um yep. and um Beg had an amazing Seraphon list.
2: Yeah, it was kind of like a, the, the the mirror in principle to my scathing list. Like yeah. nothing nothing the best, but everything good and, and fun and, and
0: just doing it well. Yeah, so it was um, it's coalesced. Is it Fangs? Fangs i would The one that gives extra bite attacks to everything. Yeah, thanks for Sotek. Is that right? I don't know. Anyway, I the one, know that. The one, oh, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> yeah. uh, the one where everything gets an extra attack on its jaws and it's all Cold One. Yeah. So the rider has jaws and the mount has jaws. So everything has like <laughs> 20 attacks all the time. Um, like Scarvet yeah. on Carnosaur, Scarvet on Cold One. So you're looking at it and you're like, there doesn't seem to be any summoning and there's no croak and there's no slam so maybe this is fine and then you're like, oh, but that is three salamanders and two Bastillodons. so it's just really, it shoots again, above average, it fights above average, Uh, the magic is scary, Uh, the realm shaper engine is really good Um, just reaching out like blubbing multiple wounds and stuff, so that was an awesome list, Um, because it did and it felt like a proper army to play against as opposed to, oh, everything's teleporting all the time. I've summoned half an army and you can't stop my magic. It was more like my shooty stuff is going to shoot you and then my fighty stuff is going to fight you and it's going to do that well. So it was like, oh, okay, I can, I can play a game here rather than sit down and roll some saves or not. Um, so that's cool. cool. Yeah.
1: The Scarbet on Carnosaur is so cheap now.
0: Yes, and it hits like
1: a train does. Well, it's like, 215 points or something. It's like it's crazy cheap for what you get.
0: That explains why there's so many models in his army because I couldn't quite get my head yeah. around how much he had, but the, that's an insane uh, cheap monster.
1: It's it's super cheap for what it does.
0: The jaw the, the bites are like four damage as well and it gets plus two bites. Five
1: at the top bracket, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. But like rend two is like, crazy. It's it's superb. It's really good. Um, so, yeah, they and went,
1: ignore and reduce damage by one
0: yeah the whole army reduces damage by one so I'm going yeah. I,
1: I, so I, the I, carnosaur in that is crazy hard
0: yeah. I, I went into his army with like 6 Mornfang right and everything's doing 2 damage and I was like great that's yep. a, a superb investment and like luckily all the stone stonehorns do plus 1 damage on the charge so that was just ignored so it's just the, the flat damage on the war scroll but like yeah it was hard work to to kill Adam had a face on. It. I was concentrating. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really fun game. No, it,
2: it looked like you were enjoying yourself. Well, was but like, it was a lot
0: of laser focused. Laser focused on it. Um, it. Yeah,
1: I think we're going to see a lot more play with the coalesced builds instead of the Starborn builds into AOS three, just because of the amount of monsters that have multi damage things. And the fact that summoning is is just not quite as strong as it was before, and um, I don't know whether that's Croak despairing off, or I mean it's still super strong, but that standard list of Seraphon I think is going to go, and it's going to be replaced by something closer to the to the Fangs of Sotek list, or actually I was planning on just taking um, just straight Coalesce, don't take don't take Fangs or Thunder Lizard.
0: It was Thunder Lizard. That's what it is
1: oh really okay so that's the uh that's the that's the monster one
0: yeah well i mean he, that's he the plus had, two
1: wounds on all your monsters
0: he had a he had a skink troglodon he had a carnosaur he had two mastilodons yeah now, obviously his uh grand strategy was beastmaster because you're not going to kill all of those monsters ever it's not gonna yep. you can't do it <laughs> he's he's never gonna lose those three but it's it's impossible like, the two Bastilodons alone, like, you, like, if you had no other monsters and you took two Bastilodons, you could confidently take Beastmaster, I think. And you'd keep it in most Yeah, it's levels. true. But, like...
1: The turn <laughs> where you need them to switch on, and you can just be like, okay, I'm now, a, for a command point, I now have a 1-up save, regardless of how many wounds I've taken. Yep. It's so strong.
0: Yeah, it it was superb, and his his army looks amazing as well. He's got all the like aquarium, jungle foliage on the bases, and he used the, the green stuff, world green uh, green stuff rollers to do like temple bases. And then because they're Seraphon, right? So they're kind of forty k esque you know, space lizards. Like one of the bestilladons has a las cannon instead of. Uh, like a- <laughs> Um, the, the, the guy on the carnosaur has a power fist with a flamer on it to represent whatever the shooty gauntlet thing is. And, yeah, there's just all sorts of like cool little, like, very subtle sci-fi conversions in the army that yeah, know, nice. this when you're kind of stood up, but as you kind of like lean forward to like pile in your stuff, you're like, huh, that troglodon is, uh, is, is holding the sword <laughs> from a dread Knight. Sure. <laughs> it's very cool. Like it a lot. That is that really um, cool? So yeah, we played three three rounds, and I we talk about scores. Yeah, yeah. I argued that um, everybody should stop putting twenty-nil systems into the game because what's the point, right? We're yeah. all playing the same scenario every round. So if some of the scenarios massively skewed to higher points, then great, there were higher points in that round available for everyone. Now I know the arguments against that, but fine. That's all we decided to do.
2: Yeah. So there was a, there was an argument for kind of kind of crowbarring in a 20-nil system against how many VPs you have or major minor victory and stuff like that. Um, I just said we're, we're just gonna do VP differential, basically, which which in a sense is most VPs wins. Yeah in a in a in a two-way event, right, where you just got two yeah. teams. Um yeah. what you what you actually
0: said is when we totally top at the end, whatever the result is, that's that's win.
2: Yeah, I did say that as well.
0: But um, <laughs> and weird. then it
2: would and then Donald Donald waiting is like, oh you need 20 nils there for a reason. You need it, you need some kind of 20 nil system. And I was like, well, in a 20 nil system for ETC, you still have a cap and a floor after the 20 nil. So are you saying we should cap and floor VPs and then cap and floor the total? Because otherwise it just seems like an inefficient way to do it. Um, so i think there is a there is a call for like having a sliding scale of vps so if you win by one or two you get one or two um yeah. tournament points let's call them if you win up to five then it's a bit more if you win up to 10 it's a bit yeah. more but to really get if you if you have a max 10 tps per round you have to win by like 20 vps to do it you have to completely yeah. destroy your opponent to get those
0: points and that's pretty much what the honest war game is doing. With the, with I their, think so. Yeah. Events they have a they have a differential for it. So there there's a win, there's yeah. a win, minor win, last minor last draw uh, draw. It's
1: just two points per tournament point difference. Yeah. That, well, two gives you one tournament point, which yeah. I think works perfectly. But uh, as you said, like with a with a one team against another team, or just like you playing three games against your friend, like you yeah. don't need that kind of complicated system. And it, means- it works out to essentially the same thing.
0: And we also, Andy had published what the three scenarios were gonna be in advance. Yeah. So it's like, it's funsies, it's friendlies, and also you know what the games you're gonna play are. So if, if you really care, which I don't think anyone did, but let's say that you really care, you can just look at the scenario and figure out what's the maximum number of points that would be available and build a list that does it and bring that. So like within that context, we just went for VPs and Boy, was it close. Yeah, so. so after we, round, have you got the actual numbers? So after round one? After
2: round one, Angel was in the lead by 31 points.
0: Yeah, a big two, win. <laughs> yeah,
2: 31 points. Yes, it was a big lead. After round two, Eatbats pulled it back, but was still 19 points behind. 13 points behind? Wow.
0: Really, 20. yeah, it was 90. I thought they'd recovered more than that.
2: And then at the end of the third round, Angels' total VPs was 289 and Eat Backs beat them by two. Wow, yeah, so it went to
0: 200. So they
1: pulled back 21 points, yeah, in the third round. Yeah, oh. and he just suddenly only, coming in and pulling two, all those points.
2: If only. St- <laughs> played the game properly
0: (laughs) i mean i don't think that steve listens to our podcast so you're you're not going to get the rise you're looking for (laughs) unless you like clip that sound and and post it in the warcraft chat he's not going to hear it it
2: was he was um yeah he was a little i mean we've already gone through my list right but i basically deployed every single trick i have in the list and he, and he wasn't... I mean, he, he enjoyed it. He said it's a, a good list and stuff, but he was a bit salty.
0: <laughs> well, he'd also... So he's also bought, as a treat to himself, post-pandemic, um, the the good, bouncy Luminette list, right? So he's bought and built that, and it's based and like primed. And he was like, oh, am I going to play it this weekend? And you said to him, you can play what you want, mate, but everyone else is going to have a painted army. Yeah, I just like <laughs> you. I don't. I'm going to save you the the trauma of people looking
2: at you sideways when you bring, you know, uh, you know what is a claim to be one of the best lists in the game unpainted. It's just you're not going to have a fun time because you're going to feel bad.
0: Yeah. So I mean, I guess yeah. him losing his games in the doors is probably <laughs> really good motivation to get uh, the Lumineff painted for Mancunian card Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, he, you know, he brought a, he brought a for army. He
2: did, but he's a great player. Yeah, exactly. and I
0: just I got a bit lucky in places, and I baited him, and, and sometimes he took it, and he, we we both missed a few things here or there. It was, okay. Does that mean that you're now the main tank in the guild? Yes. Yeah. So Andy Andy's won the won that. So yeah, he he bats took it out two points. Yeah, yeah, which is like phenomenal. Less than a percent. Splitting them, so it must have been <laughs> so tight. Yeah, really, really good. Um, I'd have loved to have seen it over five games
2: actually.
0: Yeah, I, I, I think it would stay pretty close. No, I think they were well matched teams. At yeah, the end.
2: I think we had we had a lot of fun. That was what. That's what's important. At the end of the day. everyone
0: brought fills. Yeah, <laughs> 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 there, there was nothing that was like. Oh, this army's there was,
2: no, there was no list you looked at when all oh, that that list is just weak,
0: yeah. So there's me like trying to do the matchups and Kieran's like Kieran, Kieran's games. Like I said, Kieran's playing really quickly, right? But he was also he also ended up being paired into the other kind of very infantry heavy lists quite a lot. So his games were really really going to time and we'd given what two hour 45 minutes, three hour rounds, 245. So Kieran kept having about five minutes to have a wee and a glass of water between finishing a game and having to do the pairings. <laughs> so he kept being like, oh, I don't really know. Um, so, yeah, like the fact that all the lists were like, oh, I, don't, I don't really know how i do against that made the pairing process. Well, it made it easy because it just became a, right, shut up. I don't care. You're playing this.
1: <laughs> yeah
0: in in, a, in like a, in a more competitive environment i'd have had an absolute nightmare trying to trying to do the pairing so simon definitely gets to be the captain at lgt i'm not interested <laughs> like i
1: said i said i'll i'll coach from taiwan it's
2: fine
0: nice one yeah well you can take that responsibility <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, oh it's absolutely brilliant and the tables look great um Mostly your terrain with a bit of angel terrain.
2: Yeah, I think that's right now. Um, we
0: had and we had all, all new mats and we. You had. You had three and. Kieran I, had I, had, I had
2: four, um, and we were
0: we weren't sure whether we were going
2: to have five games. So I, so Kieran volunteered to bring an extra mat, and then we didn't need yeah. it. We shut a table down, and Kieran used his mat.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, there's one bit of the light the barn where the strip lights didn't come on, so we took a table out of the middle of the room because yeah. <laughs> it was too dark. So there's one table like right at the back in like a cave. (laughs) That's quite fun to play at. Um, Yeah, it was really cool. That's good fun. So we'll have to figure out what the next team is we're going to invite down.
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, we, we had a lot of drops this time, which is life, and that's no problem at all. But I do wonder whether we're better off if we increase the number of teams so that if a team has a drop, they've got subs from their club. Yeah. But that means you're doing four teams. Yeah, you couldn't do three. I was um, like, yeah. Why couldn't you do three? I'm just I'm like, trying to oh, right. <laughs> if That's you do fine. if you have four teams and you do three games, everyone plays each other and there's no redundancy, right? I need to work out the numbers, but I think that works.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. yeah, it works. And so what would you do? Three
0: games on the Saturday, one on the Sunday.
2: One, because there's four teams, three games hey. oh, oh, three You get three
1: games.
0: You're just done. Um,
2: so you have 14 to four, but that's 16, and I'm a bit nervous. I, yeah. actually, the sandwiches worked out well, yeah so I think I can do lunch, I think I can do breakfast. dinner is a bit more tricky. dinners going to be hard work at that point. you might have to. Then can
1: you just do takeaway then for dinner?
2: Well, we flipped burgers last night and it, was, it worked. And...
1: But if you're playing like or if're yeah. Yeah, or if you're having to do other things, like it, it's it's definitely a lot of responsibility on you. Yeah. and I could understand if you were just like everyone chip in £10, we'll do a massive takeaway, off we go I'll do the other meals
0: yeah, because you end up like, if, of course once you get to 16 people you probably need someone to T.O. as well because the pairings become more complicated you probably need two people to run it at, at the point where there's four teams you probably need somebody who's got an over, actual oversight of the rules Yeah, I mean, at 14 I, think, I fair, decided I was going to T.O. anyway yeah. pretty much I I think think to be be fair, you and me, we probably don't have enough oversight of how all of the new shit works, right? (laughs) Not Seraphon players, not Lumineff players. And at the point in which you've got four teams, I think you need to check lists and stuff like that as well. So it suddenly suddenly becomes an event rather than an invitational friendly thing. This
1: checking is easy, though. You just put them out into the public and let everyone else check them. (laughs) That's what me and Kieran always did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, can you guys all check these please
0: yeah <laughs> brilliant so yeah um, we're hoping that uh, LGT will get drawn against the bats because there's now a grudge uh, and there's at least me and Kieran in common with the, the angel team so yeah hopefully I've had to drop but, yeah uh, hopefully we can um, square off against the bats again um, although they know exactly what me and Kieran's lists are now so <laughs> <they're not laughs> I do what to do um, yeah but yeah, so yeah, 1-0 one, one e-bats in the, uh, in the team series. Yeah. So again. With an angel ringer on
2: the e-bats side. Yeah, and
0: to be fair... I mean, they got have, carried by me really. They wouldn't have won it if you hadn't <laughs> mashed up Steve horrendously in the final game. Yeah. Um, but also they would have won it if Paul had had any luck at all against me. <laughs> <laughs> it's very easy to kill Seraphon if they completely fail to kill Stonehorns just because of dice. It's like, oh, you've only got a five-up save and you've made them all. That's a shame. <laughs> That's good. Great. Um, we're going to have a bit of a chat about uh, narrative yeah. in a minute. So we'll see you after this. Welcome back. Um, narrative section, uh, which is something we haven't done a lot of Age of Sigmar in for a while. Yeah, we haven't even like played a narrative game for quite a while. No. No. Um, I haven't made it to Raw in too long. haven't gone to any Raw experience. hasn't
1: existed for too long.
0: <laughs> well, but even before that. Um, but yeah, so narrative has often been d d or Quizzo um, or whatever. Um, but Matt and I actually played some narrative Age of Sigmar from the new core book um, back in uh, July. Uh, and I thought it'd be cool to kind of talk about it and how it was a bit different to... To match and, and, and how it worked so uh, mm. Matt came around and I'd set up a board and we thought we might play uh, like a big match play game and then we were a bit tired and thought well we'll do a small game and then we were like well if we're doing a small game let's have a go um, yeah. yeah
1: yeah it was kind of more important to to get down to the bar and have some drinks
0: after playing a small amount of that Age of Sigma. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Donal is, Donal is kind of setting up and uh, there's a WhatsApp group at Angel for um, a Path to Glory campaign that he's kicking off in September using the new rules. So there, there's some kind of hype about um, narrative stuff going on. Um, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to fit into it because 600 points is a really low starting thing. If it's ogres or stormcast dragons, I'm not going to have any models. One dragon, right? potentially not quite a dragon i think the the two the wow. two brothers are gonna be like a lot of points like if hilariel's 740 points these dragons I think get... more i think less i think I 600 think they, i think they will be less i think they will be better whilst being less yeah um yeah yeah anyway narrative so we had a flick through the core book uh, which i hadn't bothered doing before because all of the match rules are reprinted in the ghb so the core book out of dominion had just gone on a shelf um the giant book Yeah, and I'd I'd vaguely scanned it because obviously the Path to Glory rules are in there um, and Andy was putting together the Stormcast from the Dominion box um, and thinking about putting 600 points together. So we're doing the starting campaign will be 600 points and you you add to it and you gain experience and abilities and and so on within your army in there. Um, We were just doing a one-off. So we just flipped to the Path to Glory scenarios um, and um, you didn't have an army with you. So we had choices of my models and andy's models in the flat and we yep. decided that the most kind of narrative thing to do with the kind of broken realms narrative going on with lots of infighting and you know marathi kane has gone into anvil guard and like killed everyone and turned it into whatever and there's new cities for lumineth and we thought well we'll do a city mm-hmm. of sigma off uh so we we and also there was a, a cabinet full of painted cities of sigma models and <laughs> it's a lot more than hundred yep. worth of battle line available. Uh, so yep. um, you, you, I basically gave you free reign of my my relatively extensive collection to to pick a force. Yeah,
1: for. I kind of picked a shelf and went, okay, I'm going to make a 600 point army from this shelf, and this shelf happens to be all of your Phoenix Guard and a Phoenix and those kind of things. So I guess I'll pick that um, city because that seems pretty reasonable
0: phoenix city which is called the phoenix, phoenix. or phoenixium phoenix. yeah it's hard to say whether it's a, a soft or it's, a hard city.
1: it's it's Phoenicity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very punny um so what what phoenix so you had a, a phoenix which was unridden
1: it was unridden i couldn't afford to have the rider i could afford to have him on foot yeah and then but i couldn't afford to you know, like i wanted more units and then I had ten Phoenix Guard and one Scourge Runner Chariot
0: to have some shooting. Oh yeah, 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 um, which is kind of cool. Um, and we chose the battle plan, which is called the Ritual, um, which yep. was kind of fun. So you have an atta- the attacker and defender really mattered because it was the Ritualist and the like. I don't know, like the witch hunters or whatever. Like you got to stop summoning Something that. Something like that. So um, I took uh, Living City, Kel Breeze. Uh, and I I had I had more units because mine weren't Phoenix Guards. That's kind of how yep. that works as a currency. <laughs> if you don't sure. have a Phoenix Guard, you get more models. Uh, if your
1: things don't have a four plus ward save, you get more of them.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had 10 shadow warriors and I had 10 Wildwood Rangers and I had um, two heroes. So I had the Arch Revenant from the Silver, <laughs> and I had the Nomad Prince um so yeah is that it i think that's it i, don't I think that's know. it yeah tiny tiny games yeah which was kind of fun um and i guess we just played it on the full-size modern board right so the 60 by 44 yeah um
1: and which just, totally works like things things still have high movement right like they still have the same areas that they control there's i think the way that it kind of works out is you use the same board, but there's not kind of overlapping. If you think about the the zones of control that models have, then in a 2,000-point game, there's a lot of overlap in those, and maybe you need kind of these two zones to overlap to take out that one big guy who might come in. Yeah. In the smaller games, because they don't have the big guys and they don't have their own overlapping zones, you kind of just have separate models that have their own areas of control. Yeah. So it totally, totally
0: works, because movement's still just as fast... As it ever was. Yeah. Especially when you have an arch revenant. Yes, who it turns out um, <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a, I don't know if it was a command trait or an artifact from Living City, I can't quite remember now, but. <laughs> it's something that lets him run and charge. It was run and charge, right? And it was like, oh, cool. Well, yeah. um, I can just auto run six and I move 12 and then I can charge and I can, that's a separate phase. So I can just command point reload. Yeah. So that's actually really far. It's <laughs> so just like, yeah. I'll just fly 18 hey. across the board on a 40 mil base as well. So he, he's got loads of places yeah. to land. So he set up the board. You were board. just next to me and then
1: I redeployed back and you still charged me. Like,
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so one of the things that i took away from the match play games that we've been doing but also massively from this game like redeploy is amazing like yeah. absolutely i think that's
1: i mean maybe I'll, maybe i'll talk about it a bit towards the end but actually like we we said we said a lot after this game that actually kind of like the 700 800 like less than 1000 point games are the best ones for you to get the get the new aos 3 stuff
0: in yeah. your head absolutely yeah, it was really good. I, it was so good for that. So we um we set up the board. Coming back to the kind of narrative aspect of it, um, as you've moved to Taiwan, we sort of inherited your terrain, uh, and Matt had some D three D printed like tavern terrain, like more, like amazing. Like uh, there's like a tavern. I don't know what the other one would be, but there's these two like massive houses for like a a D and D table, um, and we've got um Andy's kind of marshy. Um, uh greenish uh deep cut mat with and it's got kind of like walkways and like you can just about actually make out that there's there's sort of like a central island and there's little planks and bridges and things like printed on that so we we basically followed that set things up and we had a couple of like major thrones around it was basically what what terrain have i got left in a bag because the rest of the terrain had gone up to coventry for the various barn hammers um so we had um these it two it's very much like a village and then there's the the garden of more like graveyard in the middle and then the there's some one of the objectives so there's three objectives on the board in the ritual so we just put terrain pieces where the objectives were so we had two the two kind of thrones and then the um fleshy to course throne was the actual summoning yeah. places like there are two places of power to channel to the like ritual place and um can't quite remember how the scoring works because the core book here is still in shrink wrap and mine's in london but um uh,
1: I, I think i remember it it's if you if so the ritualist is the only one that scores points yeah and if they control the ritual site they get d6 points yeah if they control either of the fulcrums or whatever they were called they get d3 yeah. and if the opponent controls the fulcrums they get minus d3 yeah so you kind of at the end of each Turn. I'm gonna use. Oh no no, that's the wrong one. At the end of each round, so five times in the game. Yeah. The the ritualist scores. Maybe it was the end of the ritualist's turn. Maybe I don't. I don't. I don't remember. Oh, I'm not yeah, sure. it might have been at the end of their turn, which is a slight know. buff.
0: And then in within the scenario, it said if you score if the ritualist scores this many points, it's a loss. This many points, it's a minor loss. This many points, it's a draw. Yeah. This many points, it's a minor win. Win, etc. So, um, yeah. it was really interesting. So, um, and we had the uh, you know the Wardroth horn for the uh, the arch revenants he got an extra attack he flew across the board with like this like furiously defense so it's almost like they're resummoning the forest into this like abandoned village and the phoenix guard were like no your phoenix guard were in the pub though at the start
1: yeah they just went to the pub and then they were like oh crap something's happening
0: we should probably go and sort this out but coming back to these end thoughts so we learnt the garrisoning rules which neither of us knew Yep. right yep, so have 10 phoenix guard in a pub <clears throat> means you learn a part of the game that we've never bothered with before that's very convenient well done ask. um yeah so the arch revenant who we kind of bigged up as being like super fast and killer he just completely bounced in the first turn. He, he, I, I got a turn on charge against matt's anointed and he was like oh that is quick <laughs> hello <laughs> how's that happen um and the you know the chariot trundled through the gates and into the uh, into the village um, and didn't realize that hiding in the shadows, there were some shadow warriors who kind of popped up and shot it, and then redeployed closer and charged it, because yeah, yeah, which I wasn't expecting <laughs> at all. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I've shot the chariot a bit. I've got two attacks on ten blokes. Then I'm, you living uh, city move. Yeah. Then you redeploy and then charge. Uh, you redeploy in your turn, but yeah. Oh yeah, that's history. true. Yeah. So they they, they got, maybe you yeah. living city move. Yeah, I I came down nine away. Okay. Left the city moved, and then charged three inches. And you're like, "Oh, yep. well, <laughs> I'm being stabbed in combat. <laughs> this is happening." Yep. Um, so I mean, you know, they were just they were just lying in wait. They were the ritualists. Um, yeah. So it was very swirling, and I think you know Phoenix Guard are amazing at any points level.
1: Yep, they're super are. The start wasn't. I mean, the start took out a load of rangers, but basically, I tried to push that on the other side to yeah. get right the way through to your to your uh, ritual site. But in five turns, I just couldn't get through your army thanks to uh, what's the resurrect thing?
0: Rally. So it was a combination. Not resurrecting. They're getting back up. It was a combination of rally and the fact that the unridden phoenix doesn't have the after save, so you were never quite fighting at the full bracket. Because I think yeah. the Phoenix would have just absolutely murdered the um, the kind of infantry. Yes. Like they had they've got such a rubbish save value and they're only one wound each. So it you know threes and threes land yeah. one damage two lifts ten models, but you were, you only you only had like five attacks instead of eight, and it degrades really quickly. Actually, the Phoenix profile, um, so he yeah. was kind of struggling to get through, kind of uh, way down. And you were zipping around down. the
1: board with the. Uh... With the little guy what's he called arch, arch
0: Revenant. Revenant. Yeah, yeah yeah dipping funny. around yeah and so there's are yeah. kind of like redeploying and charging both the the wildwood rangers and the phoenix guard like rolled like absolute heroes using rally which in my head has psychologically told me that whenever you throw any dice at rally you'll get at least three models back and <laughs> i spent the whole week yep. this weekend throwing three dice at a unit of four Mornfang, where I'm down to one guy, like not got a single one back and I'm livid about it, despite the fact that there's no way I should have been spending that command point. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. exactly. They definitely (laughs) weren't coming back to life and it was just because I had a spare command point, but I was like, what, you're supposed to get three back a turn? This is ridiculous. Where are the sixes on my dice? Yeah. So in, in our in our first narrative series, the 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 Phoenix Guard were kind of held back for long enough for whatever the ritual was to go off. So I guess at some point in the future, we could play a game that like narratively makes sense to be the next scenario. So whether you've got like a, um,
1: I mean, and there's so many to choose from,
0: right? we it's so easy to find one that makes sense. There's like 20 narrative scenarios to pick. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun. And I think, yeah, so to, to kind of round up the section, shall we talk a bit about narrative and like low points level games as a mean as like an entry point to the game? Because one of the things that I see said a lot online and said a lot when iOS 3 came out in WhatsApp groups was, oh, you know, Age of Sigmar is no longer an accessible four pages long game. There's too much rule blow. It's really difficult. And actually my feeling is that <clears throat> 2,000 point games are now super clear. And obviously you've got a lot, A lot to learn but actually it's very clear and it's very dynamic and there is a lot but actually i think a lot of the decision making is binary but if you want to pick up game with about as many models as we used to play in say like mo comp or the early south coast gt comp um Mm. really really easy to pick up after glory
1: yeah like uh, all i can say is like it is just as good a game at a thousand points if anything
0: it's a bit tighter yeah without the god level rules it's a lot more tactical yeah. I,
1: I genuinely think it's a it's a super good way if you've never played then actually just like pick up a narrative scenario because it, it for something like it just feels like it's it, it's less you're, you're less you less care about the winning you more care about that side of things but the rules are still exactly the same The rules are still, like, you still have the same points as your opponent. You still have all of the same match play things that you do. There's still points in it as well. There's still battle tactics. There's still whatever you needed for the match play game. So it's not like it's going to not translate across. So if you've not, like, jumped to that 2,000 points, or I think you're a bit confused about AOS 3 and want to get a couple of the new things in your head, play, like, two games of 1,000 points, and you're going to get it.
0: Also, if you don't have three hours to play against...
1: Yeah, well, that's why we did it, right? Like, it meant that we got to the, down to the bar like an hour earlier.
0: Yeah, it, it took us an hour to play five battle rounds with like 15 models each. It felt like a game had happened. There were some really interesting yeah. points in terms of like the priority role still being important, like the use of command points being super crucial. Like, there was one where you'd used Rally and then didn't have it available for Battleshock and you were okay, yeah. but only on the dice. And there was like this whole. And, like the fact, I think yeah. what's interesting at that points level as well is the fact that your unit champions can use command points is super important because it means that you can take units of 10 guys, units of 10 of something else, rather than going, well, actually, I'll just double down on this one unit and keep it near a hero. It allows you to play across the board in the way you're describing before, where you have fewer models, but you're still covering the board.
1: Yeah, totally. It was. It. it, That's a really big part of those thousand point games. Suddenly, just working again, Uh, because in the two thousand point game, you'll always most likely, like for the first three turns, you'll have a hero nearby. But actually, you kind of get used to that, and you forget that there is this other option where you know the Phoenix Guard can all out defense themselves.
0: Yeah, and that's and it's really easy to go. Well, I've never done that before, so I'm just gonna not do it. Being in that habit in match is important too, right? Because if you've been roared at, hmm. you know, you're more likely than not going to have your infantry in Hunters of the Heartland. So they can't be stopped from CPing themselves. But if your if you're hero slash monster has been roared at, um, then they're not going to be able to issue commands anyway. So just getting it into your head that, oh, actually, my units can function um, kind of independently of everything yeah. else. Like, they can just go and do their thing. Opens up loads of play. Um uh, I know Alex has been really happy this weekend with taking the Vindictors in his Tempest Eye list and the kind of argument over the last 120 points or so was, do you go into Vindictors for something that can actually stand up and hold an objective or do you put in Shadow Warriors? And for my money, it's always Shadow Warriors now because you've, you've got a champion with them. So like, yeah, fine, deploy into the cover if you want, but if you can't fit anywhere, you still come down for plus one to hit with all that attack. Like, that's superb. Yeah, that's true. The, the champions thing is really important so the one one day your your anointed is going to have his revenge and, and come and slay whatever horrible thing it was that i was i was summoning but um
1: yep at some that. point maybe next summer yeah.
0: probably a tree probably a tree yeah and like only uh, one tree boy can you summon trees now My goodness. <laughs> um so yeah um that was us dipping our toes back into narrative i'd love to be able to do some more of that um Hopefully, as the kind of category campaign at Angel comes in. Um... Well, I've,
2: I've got a, my my Stormcaster base coated. Yes. And um, now that my, I mean, my my Skaven, I still got three rebases to do on the monsters, which we can go into and open. Mm-hmm. Um, But I'll probably change my focus onto the Stormcaster now so I can play category with Donal and people in there. Uh, awesome. September. Yeah. I'm hoping to just have like three dragons. Yeah, whatever like that. Because yeah, that's be. totally narrative, path to glory. Play.
0: why isn't it? <clears throat> the, the, the current narrative of Age of Sigmar is that the dragons have come back. So, so
2: what, have, what have you
0: brought to Path to Glory today? Well, I've got
2: uh two units of five vindicators, I've got a couple of heroes.
0: Vindicators, so you're running like, 40k tanks, well, whatever they
2: are, whatever they are. Vigilators, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one can remember the <laughs> Stormcast <laughs> names.
2: Go on, go on. <laughs> got a couple of heroes you know i'm gonna work up to andrasta what have you got adam i've got a dragon yeah and then next week you'll <laughs> we'll have two dragons what do you want yeah <laughs> what are you bringing next week well um three dragons i, I might i might add some annihilators get three of them you know, build a campaign slowly what are you going to do adam well um uh, i'm going to wait around for a month and then bring another dragon
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep narrative (laughs) it takes that long for an egg to hatch i don't don't know what you're not understanding about um yeah so hopefully we'll have some reports of like actual narrative games going forwards as well as um uh someone described our podcast recently as surprisingly matched play for a narrative podcast and i was like we literally aren't a narrative podcast but okay (laughs) Sure.
1: We literally have three sections
0: <laughs> It was after the Nomad Feastmasters, and Darren had Darren had shared it with uh, the the group of guys who's got playtesting it, and uh, apparently we just have a reputation as being narrative games, which massively flies in the face of my opinion of us all as being massive power gaming twats. Like we're all trying to find the worst list available at every moment, and oh, everyone's like, "Well, oh,
1: so God. so how many tor- how many match play tournament wins do we have in Angel?"
0: Uh, not very many at all, like none,
1: I think zero. And how many narrative play tournament winners do we have?
0: Donald's never won a tournament, he's he's yeah, he's he's got this is the problem with strength of schedule, right? He's gone five and five a couple of times, (laughs) but with Gits, you're never you're never winning because you you never used to get differential, and he's not played enough with more tribes for it to matter. And he's gone five and five a lot at team events, but then he's carrying us. So
2: he's, not, no, 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 he's not carrying us, he's throwing us under the bus. It depends
0: on your
1: perspective. No, I I, I always paired Donal into Reds because he wins them anyway. Yep. Yeah. Genuinely did. Like I was just like, I am ignoring Donald's entire chart. I am gonna pair him into the worst possible matchup and he's gonna win it anyway.
0: Donal would have been an interesting uh, kind of factor this weekend. If it had been five versus five as the teams, uh, if Donal had actually yeah. it's it unfortunate that he couldn't make it. But if he'd been here, I think it would have one player would have completely changed the makeup of yeah. the the Angel E-Bats thing. Also, it wouldn't have been, at that point, we'd have done the picking teams thing, so it would have been less Angel yeah, E-Bats. Sure. It would have been more Team A versus Team B as a pool from Angel E-Bats. So, uh, yeah, he is still yeah. good. Um, I'm not even sure that his list is as amazing as he says it is, but it doesn't matter. It never matters. (laughs) I'm going to push this Frost Lord and this Kragnos at you. Does it matter what the rest of my army is? No, it doesn't. No. So um, we're going to come back in a moment and have a bit of a chat uh, about what we've been doing hobby-wise in the open section. Uh, So we'll see you after this. Welcome back. Today in the open section, we're going to be talking a little bit about recent hobby, um, of which there's been some.
2: Oh, yeah, I've, been, I've actually been, a, like, at my level, right, yeah. at, my, at my absolute snail's pace of hobby, um, I've actually been quite, quite productive the last few weeks. Yeah, and um, That's mainly because I had a two-week holiday and I was like, I, mean, I need to get this, this Skaven army ready for Barnhammer and then LGT, which I've now had to drop out of. Unfortunately. But at and, least he's
0: given it finish.
2: But my other than a couple of monster bases, this well, the whole thing is viable. Um, but Did I wouldn't black rim your I haven't black rimmed my claw lord yet because I forgot oh, god jeez, such an OCD. I just thought that you had done it
0: with I it. Mean, I mean there's like there's three down.
2: monster bases in the army that are completely cohesion breaking because they're completely different basing scheme and one of them even has a yellow rim because at some point I thought that was cool. Um, but Adam just keeps going on about the fact that one of the new bases I've done doesn't have a black rim on it. But whatever.
0: Um, yeah, because it's not painted. The other thing might be painted wrong, but this one's not painted. <laughs> um, so so yeah so so I rebased because I almost
2: gave them when I turned them from squares to rounds. I put them on resin bases because I thought that was cool at the time. Mm.
0: Turns out it's not as crap. Um, can't magnetize them and they fall off
2: well they're just yeah they fall off all the time and
0: um, so yeah. anyway,
2: long story short i ripped them all off i got a load of shattered dominion bases came up with a different scheme for them and painted them up so there's like Warpstone and warp stone in the bases which is quite cool um with a kind of a red scheme which is kind of not dissimilar to the box art actually in the end although i didn't i did it oh, I, okay. I did it and then i was like oh that looks on like the box <laughs> Subconscious <coughs> yeah. seeping
0: into your painting.
2: Um, so I kind of airbrushed out eighty and twenty-five mil bases, bang them out pretty quick. Wow. Um, and then did the Giselle bases, which are on.
0: For, for listeners' reference, yeah. when Andy uses the word eighty in the context of painting, he usually means hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To well. do one base Use an index as opposed to a time.
2: <laughs> Um, and then I got thank done. So thankful all been sitting in a box for eight, years. Eight, years eight years from end time. Wow.
1: <laughs> Come on. So glad you got that done.
2: Yeah. And he was sitting in a box in, in sub assemblies, having painted the flesh, which in my, the way I paint, that's the longest bit. Cause it's a big blend. Um, and just, I was like, this just needs to be done and it needs to be done. Okay. But it doesn't need to be amazing. So I just bashed out. I'm actually really pleased with it. how it's coming. It's really good. Yeah. Um. So that came out pretty well. Um. That was the only mortal I needed. To no, you
0: painted three Jezails. So you painted. i sorry. Yeah. Six rats with guns and shields. Yeah. That's yeah. like. It's like that take months normally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I turned them out in the weekend.
2: Yeah. Pretty much. And, that, and that's I super a impressive. Like eating and sleeping. Wow. Um, so so bang them out, got them done. I just need to do the three blue bases. My my vermin lords to be summoned, which I am still convinced will never happen. I am um, now I'm now Adam's happy amulet from from playing Skaven because every game that Adam's played against Skaven other than me. <laughs> He's seen an extra Vermin Lord on turn one, and in all the Skaven games I've played, I've never summoned one. I'm fine with it.
0: Um, so Is I'm it just a
1: double six on two dice?
0: Double six, yeah. Just yeah. once. once. Yeah. The bell tries it every turn. Yeah. Every yeah.
2: So, anyway, moving. So, I've got a Vermin Lord ready to go because I had a spare um, from my conversion. So, I've got the old Forge World one. Um, with a magnetized Death Star on it for it to be a deceiver, so I actually need to magnetize the size to make it corrupt. Right? So I can, so I have a choice between corruptor and deceiver
0: to drop either one on the board. Which and is you've only got fun. to paint the one hand, right? So it's it's always... a
2: magnet, it's a hand a magnet.
0: Yeah. Right? So that'll take you what thirty hours? Yeah,
2: yeah, maybe twenty-five at most. Um, so that, to be fair, that shouldn't take me that long. I just need to do the conversion and make it look reasonably neat. Um, and then it, then, then that's kind of done. Yeah. More, more importantly, Matt. How is COVID jail as a catalyst for hobby?
1: <laughs> so it, it's it's not too bad. Um, so I kind of I kind of didn't really know what to expect because obviously I didn't experience any of the. Any of the lockdowns in london and we didn't really have a proper lockdown here before i came back so sitting in a hotel room for two weeks i was i was pretty worried and yes i work and i can do x amount of work a day regardless of what day it is because all days are the same but i did basically buy an entire seraphon army to keep myself busy during this lockdown time and i've kind of said to myself, like. I'm going to paint this a little bit slower, a little bit more deliberately than my other armies, which were always kind of, I need to get this done for this tournament. Yes, it's pretty, it's good enough. And I know there's some of the tricks, it's tabletop, but it's kind of done in a rush in the last week before a tournament. And now that I don't have that as a a push, I'm going to take a little bit more time and actually try and do, you know, layers of paints and (laughs) crazy things like that. So yeah I got myself the Croak model, regardless of wanting a um Therophon army because it's an incredible model, and That's I okay. still really like it.
0: Croak is like an OG build you were like one of the forerunners of the horrible eighth edition version of Croak. So people have cried a lot in age of Sigma. yeah on croak, but you were running it pretty horrendously in in eighth edition as well like. I yeah, this.
1: I was kind of running croak when nobody else was in 8th uh, in edition with a giant bus of Temple Guard, um, and basically just putting all of the characters in a giant unit of Temple Guard, and then having like 12 units of skinks running around the board around
0: that. Did I paint those Temple Guard, or am I imagining that?
1: I think you might have done, yeah, they were the like two skinks on each base.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. With
1: Temple Guard weapons. Yeah. Like one had a shield and the other had the temple guard weapon on every single base.
0: Yeah.
2: The things I painted. It was quite them, good. I don't remember. So that, that army must have had like a hundred and sixty skinks in it. It there must was, have had
1: it, it was pretty them. crazy. There were
2: some skinks, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it looked it, it was pretty cool. And then when we played like some Swedish stuff, you could get a second slam in as well as Croak.
0: Yeah. And that was silly. Yeah. Like honestly, that, that was, was just silly. It made loads of sense to me that if anybody I knew was going to buy plastic croak just to paint it, it would be you.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I, I genuinely didn't really swap very much. Um in eighth edition, I kind of I kind of took that list for like two years in a row yeah. and got pretty good with it. Um but the new the new croak model is absolutely incredible. Honestly, it just goes together super intelligently. It's beautiful to paint. It looks really, really nice. Like I'm a, I'm a big fan of that model. Like it it just feels so clever the way that they've done it. Yeah. So I've been I've been kind of painting that as my main thing, but obviously because I'm I'm trying to do like quite slow layering, I'm kind of leaving it for quite like I'm getting that done. Leaving that layer to dry and then moving on to something else while that one's doing its thing. So I'm kind of doing croak and then something else. And the other something else is that I have at the moment is a. So I got three big monsters, all um, all 3D printed uh, from the Adam or No Lost Kingdom. Yeah, the Lost Kingdom Seraphon range, which is really nice and they're huge. Um, so, I've been t- painting the Stegodon from that. I've been painting 10 skinks. I've been like playing with color schemes for a Saurus, uh, like a temple guard. And I've been playing with 10 skinks uh, and a troglodyte. Oh, cool. So, I'm using the uh, Exit 23 paints.
0: Yeah. The, um, which? Turbo Dork?
1: Yeah, the Turbo Dork, like two color. Yep. Uh, shiny metallic kind of things so what I, d- I don't know if other people have used these but what i found with them and they do say use a black undercoat but i used a very very dark blue undercoat which seems to be fine yeah. um because i wanted the army to kind of be blue and purple like that kind of frog yeah feel which is a thing that i got from adam Is like just look up what cool frogs you like and i saw one that was kind of blue and purple and had um like stars like it was it's quite a shiny i think it's not i think it's a thing that actually exists in nature so i thought oh i can do that with the turbo turbo paints yeah but they kind of force you to do lots of layers
0: yeah i i've been rereading the kind of metallics uh the description on the turbo door so i was doing i i do two layers and i was like oh this isn't quite finishing how I want it to, so I kind of had to do something I needed to do on commission. I moved back to using Lead Belcher and the Vallejo Silver because um, mm. I, like, I know that works, and I need to get this finished. So I then then went back to them, and they it actually recommends a as you say a black undercoat, which I haven't typically been doing, so I need to bear that in mind. But also for the the, the for the metallics and the iridescent color shift ones, you need to do three thin layers. So we're talking like Duncan Rose fifty yeah. percent.
1: Um, yeah so I mean on croak I've been doing five layers the troglodon has four on his base coat and the Stegodon has at least four yeah like so it's just taken quite a long time for them to like build up and build up to that color that you actually want which is is really nice and kind of forces me to do the to do the layering technique that I'm terrible at
0: yeah, and Andy just said how quick that sounds.
1: <laughs> Only five layers.
0: Yeah, what's your average number? I doing?
1: think
2: on on something I'm really focusing on, probably. Well, if you, it depends what you define as a layer. I mean, a, a layer. There's probably in a in something that I've blended. <laughs> how do you not define a layer? You cover the one, one amount
1: of paint <laughs> over a surface.
2: OK, so <laughs> if we define a layer as a particular color mix, yeah, then a, a reasonably sized area would probably have five or six layers on it. If you're talking about the number of times you paint it, you could, and this is the conversation I had with you about the warpstone, like yeah. in one of the first yeah. episodes. Um, you, I, I glaze, right? So any layer is probably five or six glazes. Wow. So, so yeah, that,
1: that is kind of what I've done with, with Croak, at least like the metallic stones around him. That's just like the first what you're calling layer, but that has, that's all the same colour. And it, I've done that five times in order to build up the metallic that I wanted. Yeah, I'll then cool. go in and put the blue highlights over it and then put nailic Oxide over.
0: Yeah. And Andy's saying that each of those layers is five layers. So he's actually talking about 25 layers.
1: Yes, so I'll probably on Croak get to about twelve or fifteen,
0: which is like insane for me. I mean, I I do this for a living and don't do more than four.
2: Yeah, but that's fine. No, <laughs>
0: on
1: on the skinks, on the skinks, I will do two. Yeah.
2: Yeah, those gazelles I did, they've yeah, got, They've got four or five. Yeah. Yeah. And they look great, right? Yeah. And this this is this is where I do myself a massive disservice, right? Because the difference between 5 layers and 25 layers is probably 10
0: or 10, 15% maybe, yeah. and 10 or 15 hours. I'm <laughs> not sure that it's as much as 10 or 15% unless you're doing a centerpiece model. Yeah, that's fair. Right. Yeah. But with my corn where yeah. I've decided that I want every model
2: to be what I believe to be a centerpiece model, then yeah, yeah. that's how long it takes. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: But uh, so, so kind of back to your question is, like, how good actually is it in quarantine? So what I've found with quarantine is actually, like, you kind of want to swap tasks quite a lot. And maybe this is just me or maybe it's other people. But I kind of find that the first really, really good thing about Warhammer is that it's no screen time, which is really, really difficult to kind of force yourself to do in quarantine. Yeah. So what I'm doing is, like, whacking on an audiobook for two hours and then doing painting for two hours where I'm guaranteeing that I'm not looking at a screen. And basically apart from reading Warhammer and doing whatever silly exercise I can do in a in a three meter by three meter room, that's the only non-screen time, those are the only non-screen time things that I have. So having the Warhammer there is really important.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I definitely found that during the kind of various quarantining and um, isolation last year as well. Um, although okay. I was also trying to make it my job. So then you kind of go, well, what's the point? <laughs> so you kind of give up a bit, but it's a good thing to, to switch to. Um, I def- yeah. I've definitely enjoyed painting more in 2021 because I kind of burnt out on World of Warcraft in 2020. Um you know because that's where everyone was right we're all socially socializing digitally and having like chats and stuff and there weren't most people obviously were still working so like I was around during the day so it wasn't like you do a painting hangout on zoom or something so I was typically just kind of blobbing about on an online rpg and not really paying attention a to how much screen time there was and, and b to the fact that I wasn't necessarily really enjoying it all that much to do. Um, Whereas this year, I mean, a, I'm back in London, so there's amazing light in Andy's flat, so it's much easier to paint than in like a Tudor farmhouse that my parents live in. <laughs> like literally in darkness, and all of the lights are yellow, so you get all your colours wrong. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a it's a really good kind of mindful thing to do, and like you can focus in on and be like, okay, I'm going to do this. It's always nice to fit. I, I always like the physically having something after you've like after you done a task. There's like a, you know, so like whether that's building vegetable yeah. beds or shifting furniture for Andy. <laughs> like, you know, I've done this. Good. Tick. Well done. That's the day over. I'm very tired. <laughs> Whereas looking at a screen, you just feel sick. I find...
1: Well, that is one of the bad things about, um, not doing so many layers for example like you sit down for two hours you do all of that and then you're like yeah this looks nearly the same
0: yeah it's one of the things yeah. I base coat everything um so yeah. I like I'll go through a model and base coat every surface on the model because then I can I get a sense of where it's going and then if I put it down I'm gonna come back to it and when I come back I'm like oh I only need to do let's say it's washes or highlights or like a second you know the, the first highlight second highlight whatever or the deep you know you're, you're putting in the the battle damage or the rust or the corrosion on the leather or you do it like doing eyes and faces and but like if, if the whole model is base coated and I've got an idea mm. of how the, the base it's on is going to look I can put the model down and come back to it and feel like I've achieved something whereas yeah. sometimes if I'm commission painting I'll like go through 20 models and base coat just the flesh on the 20 models and you come back to it, and you pick up like lead Belcher or something to base coat the metals, and I just think the next hour is going to be really shit. Um, yeah, anyway. it's, it's nicer to break. Yeah, them. there was
1: there was one time where I was base coating ten skinks, and I genuinely like missed one. I did nine, and I did two base coats on it, and I couldn't tell which one I'd missed out. Oh no! <laughs> and I was like, oh. This is what am I doing? What am I doing with my time?
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, that's um, yeah, very funny. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing um the black rim on Andy's. Uh, Yawn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> how many <laughs> layers does a black rim that, have?
0: Are you gonna go and do that now? It m- might be two. I'm gonna go do it now. It might be two.
2: There might be two. Yeah, because you have to go around it twice because the black doesn't go down. yeah
0: um i think two is fair two is fair i mean you just you just go round and round again because it's dried by the time you've got round right? pretty much yeah um and i'm really looking forward to seeing your seraphon progress Um,
1: yeah i'll kind of slowly do them as i as i have some time um i might even start doing them in the mornings every now and again um So it's, it's nice to have some stuff. I've also got Cursed City sitting in the flat that I haven't had any paints or anything to do. So maybe after the Seraphon, um, yeah. I'll, I'll move on to some of those characters because they're really nice little things to do. And then they go into the d collection. And actually, as I, again, I brought Reaper Bones out here, that new set that I showed you, the, the Pizza Dungeon set, which is number five, yeah. So I have two, three, four in in at my parents, and then I have five here.
0: That's a lot. Which of
1: can be painted.
0: Yes, it is. Considering when you went some, went out to Taiwan, there was like that huge eBay purge of like your whole collection. I feel like you probably have maybe fifty percent as many bottles again.
1: Yep. Yeah, it could well be. Yeah. Poor Heather, just to deal with all of this stuff in our small flat in Taipei. That
0: was what I was going to. It's ask. not that small. So we're reaching the end of quarantine, right? And um, the last time I saw you, we had uh, coffee by the canal at Rule Zero just before you uh, were heading back to Taiwan. And Heather wasn't yeah. anything to do for 15 days in quarantine. And for those listeners who don't know, the Taiwanese government are requiring couples to quarantine in separate places. So you yep. got
1: married her, people
0: yeah, who live together in both, at both ends of the journey and they're traveling together. But, you yep.
1: know, and sat uh, next to each other on the plane.
0: Yeah, I mean, in fairness, Taiwan hasn't had one hundred and sixty thousand deaths, so maybe they're not so stupid after all. Um, but the question. So Matt.
1: This one seems it. a bit excessive.
0: Yeah, Matt. Matt bought a. Uh, she. He thought she might go a bit so crazy, so you, you bought her a. Um, start collecting paint. Set.
1: Oh yeah, yeah 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 She hasn't done it yet. She hasn't. She hasn't, she hasn't gone so crazy as to do it. I've I'm impressed Unfortunately. Yeah. 12, 12, uh, it's mostly been it's mostly been job applications which has has actually gone very well she's been offered a job today
2: awesome,
1: oh, awesome. Hey. so that, that's kind of why we headed back so early because it made sure that she could do some some job applications before the new school term started at the end of august yeah. yeah um so that that's super good but i mean that's that's kept us super busy like prepping for interviews and doing job hunting and that that's kind good. of stuff so i think i think it's gone well so you haven't And got my three. mum gave her cross stitch to do.
0: Oh, you've been sabotaged.
1: I got sabotaged, yeah.
0: Yeah. So you haven't got three beautifully painted sequiturs coming your way. No,
1: unfortunately not.
0: That's a shame. That was yeah.
1: <laughs> well, maybe they'll get done at some point.
0: <laughs> yeah, they might. I saw the uh, yep. the D and D jigsaw puzzle was impressive.
1: Oh yeah, that took ages. Yeah. That's <laughs> Everything is brown.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. There was all, Like whole, a uh, whole jigsaw puzzle of tear muck.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> it was That's awesome. Great. Cool. I'm That's not, what we not, did for our first two weeks of lockdown.
0: Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, it was a lot of pieces. It, Heather sent me a picture, and it's like as big as you and Heather <laughs> like just as yeah. big I was like wow okay I struggled for like a 500 piece too so um, fair enough um, cool I think I'll wrap up the episode there um, but I, we can hang out and chat a bit more after um, so um, yeah thanks guys for coming and hanging out I don't Go know ahead. We don't know when Barnhammer 4 is going to be or who our opponents will be, uh, but there will be more more team series to talk about at some point. Um, We'll probably talk uh, some more Age of Sigmar lists on the next episode, leading towards the LGT and the kind of autumn-winter series. Um, A few of us are hoping to go to Mancuny and Carnage, um, and uh, Andy and I, uh, and possibly Kieran and Simon, are going to uh, the Leicester GT in December. Uh, so there's actually some in-person events starting to happen, uh, assuming that things kind of stay, well, stable, sensible, sensible and stable, uh, yeah. sensible within the context of Britain post-2012. Um, so, yeah, um, we will catch you next time. Thanks as ever to Jay Channer uh, for the musical interlude. And um, again, big shout out to the Eat Bats crew and the Mitzi and Jimbo show for uh, smashing Angel up. And, you know, vengeance will be ours in this life or the next.